So we're we're live. Okay, um, we're we're here. We're on we're on the internet. Yeah, supposedly. So this is a new podcast. Um, just as a short backstory, Hannah and I have been close friends for quite some time. Probably like womb to tomb. Yeah. Really, I would describe us as womb to tomb. Womb kind to of tomb type. Um, and. We grew up in a small town in Wyoming called Casper, Wyoming, um, and it's pretty much what you'd expect. Yeah, so just take any stereotype, not any stereotype, reel it in, keep it PG-13, um, of a small town and high schoolers growing up in a small town, and that's David and I. Yeah. And now we're here. Um, also, building on the PG-13 thing, uh, Hannah and I have talked about this we were deciding do we want to make this podcast clean and like kid-friendly or explicit and frankly we don't think we can make it kid-friendly it's going to be explicit so it's going to be explicit mostly in the fact that neither of us can say a few words without dropping the f-bomb yeah like it's been probably about a minute and i'm confused why i haven't said some sort of curse word like i have to think about this but Heads up, there will be cursing. There may be explicit topics. Um, yeah, that's the other thing, too, is, like, we're not going to steer clear of inappropriate topics. We're kind of just going balls deep here. Yeah. So, with that in mind, welcome to Things You Might Not Know. And we're just going to kind of talk about what comes to our head and maybe just things you might not know. And if you do know them, uh, maybe we'll figure out some way for you to shoot us back your own thoughts. Yeah, we'll we'll make like a Google survey thing if this gets over a hundred listens. We'll make a Google survey and you guys can give us feedback and tell us what you want to hear. So, David, would you like to just go ahead and kind of introduce yourself to our uh, listeners? Okay. So, my name is David Mayer. Um, I am currently studying physiology and environmental economics. I'm still an undergrad. Um, I do a lot of research, and my research entails basically the female reproduction and the neuroendocrinology of females, Um, and right now we're looking at a specific gene called kisspeptin, which is relatively new. Um, And yeah, so I guess what I want to do in life is continue research. I'll probably go on to get a PhD. and yeah, so that's me, David David Mayer. David, what what's your sign though? My sign? Yeah. Like my Your uh, astrological sign. Uh is that like Virgo or like uh, Yeah, what Yeah, I think you're Virgo. One. Yeah. Okay. I'm for sure Virgo. I just I just didn't know like which sign was which. Okay, and what's your favorite beer? My favorite beer is not Pabst Blue Ribbon, but I'm, I'm drinking dirty one and I typically buy them <laughs> because they're cheap. <laughs> Uh, fun fact also, David can do a uh, sub sub 516er, but yeah. it will end in projectile vomiting. Yeah, um, so. I can drink a Pabst Blue Ribbon that's 16 ounces in under five seconds, followed by vomiting. It was good. I was there. Yeah. Did I see it? No, I lived it. <laughs> I was right it. there. Okay, anyway, Hannah, tell us about you. Take it away. Um, okay, my name is Hannah. And I am currently an undergraduate at Gonzaga University, Go Zags, um, where I'm studying history and a pre-medical course of study. So I'm kind of wrapping that up. Uh, I do 
I kind of I do want to. <laughs> That's my dog. We'll cut that out. Um, so I do want to do um, a pre medical course. Um, kind of still realizing that I'm 22 years old and I've got a lot of life to live. So I am not going to currently be going to school, but I'm gonna kind of just go go where life takes me after college. And um, I am a Sagittarius. For those wondering, uh, my favorite beer is a Bud Light. I am. I don't know what it is about cheap beer, but I just love it. Just, I just love it. Um, I think it's the principle. I think it's the principle, too. It's like, you know, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Yeah. That kind of way. Um, yeah, you'll get to know me. That's just kind of like a basis of what I'm doing. I don't do research like David. Um, I do like science, and I love talking about it, but research not my thing. But uh, but you do have hospital experience. I do. I've done a lot um, in hospitals, both here and abroad. I've done a lot in ethics, and I do have a pretty good medical background. But, you know, we're not professionals here yet, so don't take anything too seriously. But do at the same time. Yeah. Find your own, find your own way. Just do you, boo. Do you, boo. Um, so now let's talk a little bit about what this podcast is so we kind of talked about how we don't plan on making it non-explicit um but we'll tell you kind of what we want to do and i think the title sums it up pretty well it's going to be things you might not know um so basically what's going to happen is hannah and i are going to take turns bringing something to the table that either I might not know, Hannah might not know, maybe you guys don't know, or maybe you do know and it's just interesting to listen to anyway. Or maybe we both don't know and we just kind of... Yeah, we like, find out. We find out, we figure, we do it live. Yeah, we've got, we've got full access to the internet, we've got a computer sitting here, so if there is any Googling that needs to be done, it will be done. Um, but yeah, so we'll kind of take turns sharing interesting things. So... Um, what should we do? Do you want to go first or should I? I'll go first. Um, I'll go off with like a heavy hitter. Um, so kind of pre-background of this, uh, David and I had a cup of coffee together about six months ago. Um, we only see each other a few times a year, unfortunately. Um, I actually used to go to the University of Wyoming where David goes, but I transferred. Uh, miss that bitch every day. <laughs> but uh, so we had a pretty good conversation about ethics and mortality, which is a little heavy for a coffee shop, but... David and I are existential people, and no place is the wrong place, truly, for any conversation. And so I just wanted to talk about one of the biggest questions I think that I've thought about both as a scientist in a way, as a future medical professional, and just as a human being in general. Like, look around us, like everything is changing. Um, But we've always seemed to ask the question, is science going too far? And are we testing our own mortality, our own humanity? And if you look at everything, you know, like you always see these huge advancements in uh, science, technology, medicine, what have you. And you kind of wonder, yeah, like this is great. Like we're prolonging life or we're curing disease or what are we doing? But I don't know. Do you ever just like think maybe we are going too far? Like maybe we should just let nature sort of step in? Yeah, it's interesting because right now we're at a state of medicine where people that should not be alive anymore have the opportunity to continue living. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've already passed the threshold of living when you shouldn't. 
um, I think it's probably a substantial amount of time ago, but we're currently passing a threshold where that's becoming more and more common for like a disease that could typically kill you or um, something along those lines that you can now live through. Um, and it's like, where, where do you decide that somebody should be like not allowed to continue living? Yeah. So that's the thing because my own, you know, humanity is like, no, like we should always like strive for something better. We should always strive to keep our loved ones alive. But at the same time, I'm like, is this natural? Is this what's what meant to be? Like, you know, and I had a good conversation once with my housemates once and she was like, death, death is reacted to very differently um, now. And I'm like, oh, like, what do you mean? She's like, you know, back in, you know, the early like 20th century, 19th century, all the way back, like, death was a very normal thing. Like, you know, losing a child, like, losing a parent at a younger age, death was just more prevalent, and, like, that doesn't make it any less sad, of course, but we're kind of in an age where there's, like, a certain shock factor that comes with death, and it's kind of odd because it's natural and it's what's coming, and we all, of course, will be sad when our loved ones die or what, whatever. But, like, I don't know, what... What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that also that kind of puts a lot of weight on doctors and future uh, like medical field um, employees because it's like when somebody's grandma dies, it's not that the grandma just died of old age. Now we can pinpoint what the grandma died for from and like, are you going to blame the medical professional that was helping her or like, are you just going to understand that? people die eventually well also for i mean you probably have your own opinion on this but as researchers as well we can now pinpoint exactly what gene caused uh huntington's or exactly what went wrong to cause this hereditary malfunction that you can now find in your children's children and you know there's like a do you want to know do you know kind of factor that we have now and for me personally i i don't know that's like a good question because i don't know like if i would want to maybe like if my future husband and I or my future boyfriend and I were having a child and we want to get tested because maybe one of us is a carrier, like do I want to put that on having a family? It, I can see both sides to it. Like, yes, like would I want to bring a child into this world that might be severely disabled and die young or would, do I just take my chances and just not play gods, as some might say? Right. This brings me into CRISPR-Cas9, which I think we should definitely save for another episode because it's like... Did we talk about be... this at Metro? Yeah. Yeah, we definitely did. Yeah. Talk. This is a good one. Um, yeah, I think this deserves a whole episode, but briefly, I like just to kind of breeze by it, um, for those of you that don't know, it's basically a way that we can modify genes. Um, so it's like like what Hannah was saying is like if her and her future like mate if you will <laughs> I, I don't know a better way to put it my mate like, yeah like if you wanted to have a child you could have your genome read and if you guys will have a high likelihood of passing some genetic defect down to your offspring they can actually go into the offspring's genome and edit it out which also blows my mind and like no, it comes crazy. with so many repercussions and like the thing about that is like it's not just your offspring that's affected but it's every offspring of that offspring and so on so it's like a massive it's like effect. the ultimate punnett square yeah. in a way yeah but um, yeah 
deserves a whole episode, I think. Well, I think I would recommend the movie, this is a little bit off course, but the movie Gattaca. I'm sure you've seen it. I haven't seen it. Oh, well then I recommend it to you. What's it about? It is give, about... Give us the synopsis. Okay, the synopsis essentially is we're in the future and you can have your whole genome read in two seconds from like an ATM basically. Okay. And people date and live their entire lives based on what their genome tells them of when they're going to die and how and what is wrong with them. So, you know, people only date people who have the perfect genes. So, you know, you bring in that sort of purity, that superiority complex that we see like in the hi- like in history books and whatever. Um, has Jude Law in it, I think so. But one of this kid wants to be like an astronaut or something, but he doesn't have the genes for it. But he finds this guy who's disabled because he was in an injury, but he has the perfect genes for this like thing. Like they're gonna go to like some other planet. So he like somehow figures out a way, I haven't seen this movie since like sophomore year of high school, so bear <laughs> with me. Um, but he implants that into his blood so it looks like that's his DNA so he can like become an astronaut. Uh. And he's like dating, he wants to date this girl, but she's just like, oh, I'm gonna die from a heart condition. Like look at my DNA. And people will like read each other's DNA. Like you can go look people up and be like, this is what. Wow. Yeah, so it kind of, and it's called Gattaca because of, um, you know, the little G's and A's and C's. What am I, uh, I'm losing yeah. the word right now. Um, like the nucleotides? Yeah, nucleotides yeah. in your DNA. Yeah. So it's called Gattaca. Oh, man. But it's really good. I recommend that you, if yeah, you, you know. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. I'm curious now, um, some of the listeners will probably know if we have, if we ever have listeners, but like, <laughs> I'm wondering if like Gattaca is like, like almost like a Tata box or something that's like actually well known. I wonder. A DNA segment. Should we Google it? Yeah, should let's we, do a Google. Should we utilize the internet? Yeah, let's utilize the internet. Okay. We'll it's gonna it. look really bad if um, it has like no. <laughs> I don't know. Purpose I've, except for the name. Yeah, Gattaca. Does it have Jude Law in it? Was I right? I'll be pissed if it doesn't have Jude Law in it. It's right. One of the only reasons I like so it. So labeled nucleotide bases of DNA. Yeah. It's the four nitrogen bases. So I didn't... Okay. You know, honestly, they probably named it Gattaca because it, like, formed a word. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, we'll take the vowels of the of the bases. And... Yeah. We might just need to cut this part out. But I am curious because, like, you have your, like, well-known segments of DNA. Oh, here. Does the DNA sequence Gattaca actually represent anything? Um... Using the four code or the four nucleotides. So it says that Gattaca appears 180,000 times in our human genome. Oh, so it does have to do with like specifically us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um, this is from us. <laughs> this is from a website called straightdope.com. So, so yeah, put that reference that in your yeah. next biology page. Um, yeah, no, it's actually, it looks very Fighting ignorance. <laughs> Fighting ignorance since 1973. And in parentheses underneath it, it says, it's taking longer than we thought. So I'm guessing from, well. I'm, I'm guessing I will cite this eventually. Yeah. <laughs> I will cite um, this. Yeah, I wouldn't really. Oh, you know what? They are actually, they do have a source here and it's okay. NCBI. Um, oh, it's the .gov. Yeah. Yeah, I would, don't necessarily fully trust us. I don't think we should waste any time of the episode looking it up for ourselves. Um, but I'll look it up later. If it's bullshit, we'll cut this out. If it's not, 
congrats, you're hearing it, and it's true. And congrats to straightdope.com for getting uh, some free publicity, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so let's move on. Let's go to the next topic. I have one for you. Okay. Let's hear it. Um, the one that I'm going to give you to start with is something that I was told by someone recently. Didn't believe them, so I fact-checked it okay. and found it to be 100% true. Okay, I'm with you. Okay, humans are the only animals that have a chin. What? No. And by by chin, I mean, like, uh, lots of animals obviously have a lower jaw, but humans are the only animal that has a bony protuberance on the jaw that is, like, clearly a chin. And, like... What? Just yeah, keep think of about it for a second and, like, think of every single animal. And, like, I couldn't think of one. And then so I finally Googled it. There was a BBC article that was saying, that was confirming what I was told. You know how much I love BBC. <laughs> Damn. I think we all love BBC. Well, okay, so no animals besides ourselves have chins. So that leads me to the question, is this evolutionary? Is this for, I mean, my first thought would be, like, for some sort of, like, eating like it's on your jaw like yeah i don't really know what the purpose of a chin is i also find it really weird when like scientists like say that they know the purpose of something like i read something that said like scientists supported the theory that eyebrows are to keep sweat out of our eyes but it's like you don't really know that because you don't know the purpose of our evolution and unless you knew like the holistic aspects of us Mm -hmm. you can't like definitively say that something has a purpose but that leads me to another interesting thing okay. that I once read an article that was incredibly convincing okay. that humans were aliens to this planet. And I'm not saying at all that I believed it. I'm just what? saying it was a well thought out okay, article. Okay, so you're just going to have to tell me about this article then. So the one thing that stuck out in my mind that really... Uh, I don't know, that stuck with me, I guess, because I clearly remember and I read this article a long time ago, was that humans are basically the only animal that in what we believe to be our natural environment can get a sunburn. What? Yeah, so like... It's based off a sunburn. Well, it's not entirely based on that, but that's just one of the reasons they supported it. Um, But it was like super interesting because like, I did some looking into it myself, and, like, there are definitely other animals that can get sun, uh, sunburns. Like, for example, um, like, pigs can get sunburns, mm-hmm. and dolphins can get sunburns. But where they're typically living, like, their natural environment, they don't get sunburns. So, like, um, pigs won't just get sunburns because they're in their natural environment outside, but they get sunburns because, like, we force them to live on, like, high plains that have very little atmosphere to block the sun. But it's just really interesting. And like, yeah, other animals can get sunburns. Like in my lab, we have to put in, um, in between like our specimen and the fluorescent light bulbs we use, we have to have some kind of barrier because they'll actually get sunburns from the, the lamps. But at the same time, like that's a nocturnal species that doesn't typically come out during the day mm-hmm. to be able to get a sunburn. That's really weird. I've never, I've never really thought about it in that way. Yeah. Huh. Really interesting. But there was, there was much more to this article. If I can find it, maybe I'll put a link in like the description of this podcast or something. Mm-hmm. 
Maybe we can make like a website with some links to articles. No, <laughs> but, no, we should do that. Yeah, it was like definitely conspiracy. I'm not saying I believe it one bit, but it was a very interesting read. And that's my thing. So chins and humans are aliens. I would be convinced. I'm especially convinced my chin is an alien. Look at this thing. A little <laughs> butt chin. Uh, I've learned once that like a butt chin was actually the lower jaw not fully fusing together in the womb. But I don't know if that's true at all. I probably shouldn't have said that because I'm, I have no reason to support that. <laughs> to it's probably just something you told are me. not fully functional. Yeah. You really just fucked this one up in <laughs> you the are womb. You're <laughs> deformed. Well, do you want to feel feel this? I have like a little protuberance on the left side of my mandible. Oh, weird. And not on that side. Not on? No, feel it. Oh, weird. Do you feel that? Have you ever like broken your jaw? No. I don't think I have. Mom and dad, if you're listening, uh, have I ever broken my jaw? <laughs> and just completely just black that one out. <laughs> Yeah, no, I definitely at don't have friends that. at school have I blacked out and broke my jaw. I kind of had have like a little part that sticks out there, but like not like as far. Oh yeah, I can feel it a little bit. Yeah, I don't and it's know. It's like even. This hmm. one's like pretty distinct because there's definitely two ridges right here. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's weird. It's a weird time, but it's what makes me me. Yeah. Wink. The more you know. The I'm gonna put in know. a little sound clip every time we say that. The more you know. <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> um. Cool. So I also have a topic that I wanted to talk about with you. Um, and I'd like to give a special shout out to uh, Dr. Eric Cunningham in Gonzaga's history department because I kind of, he has very much broadened my mind in his own thought. And I wanted to talk to you about psychedelics. Psychedelics. In our culture and our past culture and just their presence. Okay. Because I think they're, I mean, I don't know. I just think that's kind of a weird concept. And, um, one of the things that I wanted to like talk about too is when I first sort of started thinking about like, ooh, it's not just like some shit that my friends used to do in high school that came out of a bag. Like it's something that's like very prevalent in our past culture, especially in um, Zen. If you've heard of like Zen Buddhism, um, in like the '60s or so, when psychedelics started becoming really popular, um, they built they had a tie to this Zen culture, and Zen is all about kind of um, opening your mind, like, finding your own peace, um, nirvana, um, not just the fucking album, um, but, you know, you can Google everything about Zen, I won't go in, into it too much, I took a whole class on it, um, but these people who were regarded, like, really high in society, um, professors, doctors, uh, mathematicians, people who were considered high caliber, very intelligent people, um, they decided that they wanted to kind of open up their mind and so oh. psychedelics came in and a lot of these people um i'll have to reference the book in a link maybe below uh dr cunningham's book he talks about um different people that have done this i can't think of it off the top of my head this was like a semester ago <laughs> so obviously <laughs> um but they used to take them because they were until they thought they were intelligent enough to handle them and so so it, was, it was, like, limited to people yes, that were able. Yes, literally. Like, when they developed LSD um, synthetically, like, in the lab in, like, the 60s, when they started experimenting with that, they limited it to um, people who they thought could handle it mentally. So, like, Be most of the people at Coachella would have... Most of the people <laughs> at Coachella would probably not have been given LSD. <laughs> but anyway, the tables continue. have turned. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so... The guy who invented it, I'm so sorry I'm blanking on the name, but um, when he first did it, he took it, and nothing happened, nothing happened, so he's like, okay, I'm going to leave, whatever. Gets on his bike, 
to ride home. Shitstorm. Just a, <laughs> just a shitstorm of LSD. And he's like, oh my god. Like, And he, you know, they start practicing Zen because it's sort of, you know, a non-psychedelic way to, like, open up your mind. And right. um, so they're kind of like, well, what if we, like, fuse these two together? Like, what if we use this as, like, um, what is it called? Uh, like, an in- not an inhibitor. Um, God, I'm, like, blanking on the word. Um, some sort of, like, accelerant to, okay. like, get to where you want to go. Like, okay. because when you do Zen, like, you do a lot of, I shouldn't say do Zen. Like, when you practice Zen and you follow Zen teaching, the whole point of it is to find your own peace and kind of right. this nirvana sense and to meditate a lot. And so, you know, it gives you this whole other world sort of like, I don't want to like compare it to like a peyote quest. Like, you know, people are like, I'm going to find right. myself. I'm going to take peyote in the woods. But it's they kind of have that same like thought process a little bit. Right. So, of like a hot, yeah, I know. What you're so doing. they would give LSD to people who were like really smart and they were like, Okay, well, what can you do with this besides right. like, like so to open their mind further drool. than they've already done? So. Yeah, so like that kind of gets me to what like that was like a real thing. Like this is like a like a, a religion, quote unquote, if mm-hmm. you will, a, more of a practice. But my question that I have with this that we could talk about is, you know, we find psychedelics in like the Zen culture in the '60s, and we're finding it now again in our own culture. But like you said, we joked about Coachella. Like, everyone just drops fucking right. acid at Coachella because, oh my god, I want to see shit and I want to see shadows move while I listen to Drake and, right. like, Rihanna or whoever, whoever's headlighting. Not Beyonce, because yeah. she's pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I think that that's crazy that how we've... It's still, like, present in our culture as a way of opening our mind. Right. As a hallucinogen. But not to the extent of, like, it was more for a noble act. Than yeah, like, it was, I like... I fucked up at a concert. Yeah. <laughs> that's not what they were yeah. trying to do, but that's not what we do now, and it's kind of, like... I don't know. I just find that odd. But I guess... I'm, I'm sure you could compare that to other things. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. Like, what is it? Coca-Cola was, like, a... It was, like, like a cough, cough syrup, medicine, and now it's, yeah. like, the best commercial at right. the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, oh, man. I didn't have this in the topic outline for this, uh, but um, there, there, and I did fact check it. There are some conflicting facts, but the majority of them, from the sources I trust most, mm-hmm. actually said that um, you know, like Santa Claus, like imagine him in your head and go ahead and describe him really quick. Okay, um, fat, red suit, jolly belly. Okay, I'm gonna stop beard. you there. You already hit it. it. Was the second thing you said was red suit. Okay. Coca Cola is actually the reason that Santa's suit is red. Like, there's no... Is that really? Yeah. So, like, pre-Coca-Cola, Santa was just, like, either, like, wearing green or, like, um, pretty much any color. He didn't have, like, a definitive color Mm -hmm. that represented him. But now, like, Coca-Cola marketed Santa Claus so much that he's red. Wow. Yeah. That was a complete... That was off of of what we were going with here. But I thought that was interesting. Put that in your juice box and suck it, Pepsi. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no blue Santa Claus here. <laughs> I guess they've got they've got red in their logo though, right? It's yeah, like the it's like a little red, red white blue circle. And, yeah, or maybe it's red on bottom. I don't know. I don't drink soda. I don't drink soda either. I only drink Pabst I Blue Ribbon. I do like Sunkiss though every once in a while. Yeah, and some root beer. True. But yeah, psychedelics in our yeah. culture. I just find I don't know. I would love if we had like a comment section or something like that. I'd love to hear like people's thoughts on yeah. that. Yeah, just we from should, learning about that. Maybe even if we don't get very many. 
listens on this, we, we will make, they're super easy to make. So I'll make like a Google survey and we'll just have like a discussion section. And then the other thing too is maybe, um, this is kind of like out of the blue, but maybe let's open that up for like people to tell us stuff we don't know. Yeah. Then we can fact check it. And if it's true, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll come to your house. What? Yeah. <laughs> we'll come to your house and be amazed by you. Oh, I was not going to go yeah. in that direction, but okay. Moving on. <laughs> One of the two. Um, about psychedelics, I'm not going to get too into this because I'm not, I don't want to like spout out facts I don't know for sure, but I did read preliminary preliminary research on psychedelics as an antidepressant, mm-hmm. um, and apparently they were using um, psychedelics, and I think that it was a psychedelic purified from mushrooms, so it was like more of a natural psychedelic instead of like LSD, which is like lab synthesized. Well, isn't a lot, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't the hallucinogen in like mushrooms like some sort of a toxin? Yeah, and I... I think I, I feel like I know the toxin, but I cannot remember it. Right I feel now. like I've definitely learned that and I can't think of it. Yeah, it's definitely, it, it's like another um, like three letter. Oh, I'm sure they're all three letters. Yeah. Things. Um, but anyway, so the research was showing that like if people did this concentrate of basically like magic hallucinogenic mushrooms, mm-hmm. they would have antidepressant effects that lasted up to two years. Um, And this was all like preliminary trials, so you can never really guarantee anything until it's like peer-reviewed and everything. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, I thought it was interesting, and I'd chime in a little bit. So should we move on to the next topic? Yeah, I'd like to learn something else. Okay, this one I'm just going to shout off. I don't think we need to discuss it much, (laughs) but interesting. I didn't know this until pretty recently. Um, The KKK... uh, most people think it's Klu Klux Klan, like K-L-U mm-hmm. Klux Klan, but it's actually Ku Klux Klan. And this is like a huge, huge mistake in a lot of like history textbooks. Mm-hmm. If you Google Klu Klux Klan, it won't correct you. Like the first links, however, will like be right. They'll say like Ku Klux Klan, but a lot of like a ton of sources think it's Klu Klux Klan, but it's just Ku clan interesting yeah and you said clans members even like get it mixed up uh i'm not sure on like clan members i haven't read any like interesting history on them Mm -hmm. necessarily but like yeah it's just it's just one of those things that like probably a lot like a high percentage of people get wrong i kind of I'm going to go out on a limb and say I'm kind of glad they get it wrong. It's kind of like a big fuck you. We can't even say yeah. your clan name a right. A huge fuck you. It's like, you're the worst. <laughs> fuck you. We're not going to say your little club name right. Yeah. You bigots. <laughs> you asshole. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you didn't get that, we don't like the KK. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll undertone. We'll, we won't put Ku Klux Klan in the title or else we might attract the wrong audience. <laughs> but we'll just straight up say right now, if you're part of the Ku Klux Klan, turn off your listening device and go fuck yourself. <laughs> I'm into it. I'm into it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, moving on. What do you have next? Um, shoot. So I wanted to talk to you because you have recently been to Ireland. Yes. And I recently wrote a 30-page thesis on uh, Irish anti-Semitism. Oh. Yeah. So that was my life last semester was working on this damn paper. Yeah. Um, and I'm s- guessing you learned a little bit if it was that long. I did learn a little <laughs> bit. Just a tad. Um, yeah. So yeah, I 
have a roommate who's Irish, and I didn't want to buy her a Christmas present, so I said, you know what? I'm going to write you a 30-page thesis on your heritage. That is a Christmas present. <laughs> if you print it out. I put it in the dedication. I said, to Kira, I hope <laughs> this makes up for me being a shitty friend. Enjoy my <laughs> shitty writing. <laughs> yes. But I did get a good grade on it. So, um, But yeah, so I, you know, you don't really, um, you know, when you think of like racism um, and culturalism, which is a real term, even though word says it's not, everyone. <laughs> um, so when you think of racism and culturalism, I mean, personally, like, the Irish are not the first to come to mind in America. In right. My, I mean, mine Far from the, the 19th century. Right. Um, but if you, like, look, like, they were, um, there's a lot of really, really good political cartoons by Thomas Nast. Um, Thomas Nast? Nast, yeah. Um, I'll put those in the description below just in case I mess up his name. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look him up, too, oh, yeah. so we can pull these up while Should we're talking. Should be Thomas Nast. Yeah, that's... Yep. Um, great guy. Did a... I mean, not a great guy. Super racist. <laughs> but, um, you know, did a lot of very informative cartoons about the Irish and kind of their own thinking. Um, but essentially, um, there's a lot of... Re- we had this great immigrant migration in the mid to early 19th century in America, as we did you know, the melting pot, so that's right. what we're called, um, which had a lot to do with the potato famine um, when the crop failed for several years. Right. Um, but the biggest thing that I found that was, mo- like, most interesting is they were dehumanized so far. Like, if you look at Nest cartoons, like, they are constantly, um, as we, we've all, like, learned about this, like, we, um, with slavery and everything and how... Um, people in the Americas in that time, and, uh, you know, there are people today that probably have the opinion that um, colored persons are lesser than other people, but in these cartoons, uh, they equated the Irish with um, blacks. Okay. Which I found was really interesting, and I had been learning about in my history classes, but... Um, so, I, out of curiosity, yeah. like, when, like, what year about when was this? Like, what point in time? This was... like. I would say, like, there's no specific year, but I would say... Like, late 18, 1800s? Or? I would say maybe, like, the... I would say mean, 1840s to maybe early 20th century. Okay. Were kind of the peak... That would be, like, the peak time that a lot of this started coming out. Okay. Um, it also had a lot to do... Um, you know, we learned about, like, the Chinese Exclusion Act. Right. And how everybody hated the Chinese because right. they were taking everyone's jobs and there's too many of them. Um, so the Irish were also equated to the Chinese. Okay. Um, and a lot of it had to do with um, Catholicism versus the Protestants. Okay. Um, and so, you know, everybody doesn't like the Catholics. They don't like Irish Catholics. Um, but I, it was just insane, like, how hated this demographic was um, and how far into it they were where there was, you know, like, the equivalent of, like, ghettos for Irish Catholics in Chicago. Okay. At this time, like, we just pulled up, let's see, we just called up... Yeah, we're looking, I, I Google searched Thomas Nast Irish, and I'm just on Google Images right now. Okay, like this one right here. Right. This so, is... this one, to describe it, there are two people on a balance. Um, it says south and north. I don't know if that's completely relevant, but... Mm-hmm. So, like, the south side, there is a um, African-American, and he's sitting on a balance that says black. And then on the right side, it says north. And it is an Irishman setting on a pedest like a, a balance that says white. Yeah. So if we look at this a little bit closer, um, you can see that with the scales that they're sitting on, they're sitting on scales. 
um, the white Irishman who, if you look really closely, you can see that there is a simian or um, sort of an ape-like right. characteristic yeah, yeah. about him. So he's got like a downturned mouth, a small nose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So if you look at that and then you compare it to um, the black man sitting across from him, they have very similar features. Um, and so on this scale, it's kind of talking about how even though the Irishman is white, we're still going to equate him to the black right. man who at the time is clearly inferior. Right. Um, and, you know, they're so dehumanized. They're so far from being our own race, our own um, civility, that we're going to give them these ape-like characteristics because they're not human. Right. And, you know, one of the things was to look at a black person and say, oh, you look like an ape. Yeah. Because of their own, they, their own like, assumed cranial structure. Right. Being closer to a simian's. Okay. Yeah, so there's some... Uh, we won't describe, like, all of these, um, but, yeah, you can Google them on your own. Um, again, that's Thomas Nast, and I just put in Irish. But we're kind of looking through a few. I'm seeing, like, a lot of hints towards, like, alcoholism, mm-hmm. um, a lot about, like, non-wealth, a lot of obese Irish people. And, like, yeah, everyone is definitely, it looks more like an ape than a human. So the common trend in these political cartoons was to make it seem the Irish are taking over America. They're a bunch of alcoholic um, apes that are going to take our morals, our jobs, everything that we have in America as good. The Irish problem, there is a book called The Irish Problem, um, they're going to take it away. And they're okay. going to take away our Americanism, quote unquote. And one of the things I argue in my paper is, you know, this idea of like the... Oh, oh my God. <laughs> This, sorry, sorry, Garf saw like a squirrel or something. <laughs> this whole idea of America as being this melting pot of this welcoming thing, um, kind of a load of bullshit. Yeah. Um, it's Definitely a great thought. Not. It's a great thought, but there was a lot of this in America. So right. It, I just thought this was super cool, and like the more I got into it, the more if you look at these, you know, like one of my favorite things to do as a historian is to look at political cartoons because if you know the history, if you know the reasoning behind everything, you can just. A picture really does give a thousand words. Right. Um, and there's so much more that we can look at later. But, um, yeah, definitely something to look into. Um, yeah. If we do this website thing, we'll put the link to the like the Google image search so you guys can see exactly what we were seeing. But, yeah, like definitely a lot of these. And each one speaks in a different way. Mm-hmm. And they're all pretty fucked up. <laughs> yeah. So, basically, um, the Irish were definitely uh, discluded for their own race, their own culture. Um, right. Which is pretty sad. and But it's something that happened, and I wrote a paper on it. Okay. Yeah, so. that's something I did definitely did not know. Mm-hmm. Okay, am I next? Yeah, I'd like to hear something now that I okay. do not know. Um, So, what time are we at? What Should we make this podcast, like, 45 minutes? Yeah, that'd okay. be good. Okay. So, we're at 40 minutes right now, and I'm definitely going to, like, cut some parts out. I'll cut this out. So, anyway, next topic... Um. I kind of wanted to talk to you about hydroponic gardening. Yeah. Um, And partially, I don't know if it might be well known, but I've been recently looking into starting a hydroponic garden. I actually just kind of set one up uh, and I'm waiting for plants to root so I can plant them into the hydroponic. But I just figured I could talk about some interesting things about hydroponics. Yeah. um, Just fun backstory. I like roll into Laramie yesterday and uh, David comes up to me with just a piece of paper, and he's like, we're going to Walmart. Get your stuff. We're making a hydroponic garden. I'm like, okay. Roll zags. <laughs> Heck, yeah. Um, 
But yeah, so anyway, uh, hydroponic gardening, for those of you who don't know anything about it, um, it's basically a way of growing a plant where it doesn't use soil. So it basically um, doesn't have to search for nutrients in the soil or water, and it has all of the nutrients and water it needs to take in at immediate disposal to it. Um, And what this does is the plant basically can thrive and grow at like extremely accelerated rates. So like, um, for example, some of the uh, actual uh, applications of this is for like vegetable gardening. Um, I actually went to Iceland and um, kind of, this is kind of like a thought train thing, but um, (laughs) it does have to do with hydroponics. But so uh, in Iceland, like a certain percentage of what a restaurant sells in Iceland has to actually come from there. So a lot of the produce that like you wouldn't think about growing in Iceland, they have to grow there. So for example, tomatoes, I went to this tomato hydroponic garden where they just grow mass tomatoes. And that's what kind of sparked my interest in it. But um, basically it's just all of these tomato plants that have their roots directly in water with uh, nutrients and then like pH balance to a certain level where they're very, very happy and they grow just incredible amounts of tomatoes that are all like incredibly big. So like, um, think of like GMO something versus non GMO. Like that is the size difference of what you get with hydroponics. Um, and yeah, so the other applications, like, uh, they use it for marijuana, um, for like marijuana plants is probably like what the most common like small level application of it is um disclaimer i am not going to be using it for marijuana i'm going to be using it for tomatoes uh because i live in wyoming and it is illegal to have marijuana in wyoming um but yeah so uh just interesting applications but anyway yeah so um i'm starting a garden maybe i'll give like if people remain interested in this maybe i'll give them like a garden update I would love Each a garden update. Uh, garden update. The okay. tomatoes are Journal entry one. <laughs> I made the hydroponic garden. It has an oxygen source to the root, so it has these little bubble stones at the bottom that just run off of like an aquarium pump. Um, it's a five-gallon bucket, and you get these special clay pellets and then special little tubs that you put the plants in um, so they just like float in the water. But yeah, so this is update one. Nothing growing in there yet, but maybe I'll update people as I go but that was my interesting thing probably some people know about hydroponics but I mean I didn't really know anything about hydroponics besides when I was thrust into a car headed to Walmart yeah and said that we needed to find uh, bubblers yeah said, we need okay. these things <laughs> uh, yeah so it's just kind of cool um I'm kind of surprised that it's not as largely used in like large-scale productions but I think it'll catch on I think it could I think that that would be a great like economic benefit as well as you're talking about Iceland like certain things need to be grown or produced or ma- like manufactured in the country right um I don't know if I could see this catching on in America but I would hope it does yeah uh I also don't know how the application works for like certain crops I, I know it works really well for like tomatoes or like cucumbers mm-hmm. um but I know that a lot of America's produce is like corn and wheat and I don't I don't think it could work with wheat corn I'm not entirely certain Maybe we'll do a whole podcast on what the United States produces. Yeah. Vegetables included. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure, to be honest, but... Neither am I. Yeah. That's something we can Google. Well, I think we covered a pretty good range of topics. Yeah. So, 
Should we close it here um, and we'll bring up some topics for the next podcast? Yeah, I think um, so. Uh, before we have a word from our sponsor, uh, just leave us comments, leave us suggestions. This is our first podcast, so we're going to try to get better at this, try to get better at talking. I need to get better at cursing. I feel like I have to live up to a standard that we said that this was explicit. Um, hi, Mom. <laughs> hi, parents. <laughs> hi, parents. Uh, but yeah, Sorry so for cussing. Again, David and Hannah, we're both 22. We both go to school. We both do things. Yeah, we're um, in college, and we're here just to talk to you about things we don't know or you don't know. Or or maybe we'll just be like, hey, knows. we're just going to have a conversation today. Yeah. And where it goes, it goes. And stay with us with yeah. that. So a word from our sponsor. Thank right. God. Huge thanks to Blue Apron. Um for those of you that don't know, Blue Apron is a food delivery company that will give you fresh ingredients, original recipes delivered straight to your door. Straight to my door. Straight to your door. Um, in our podcast office, we actually just recently had a shipment come in, uh, and a couple of our interns went ahead and followed the recipes. So um, some of the ingredients included um, uh, chicken liver, Mm. Elk liver, uh, buffalo liver. Just a variety. I think we got the liver special. Yeah, it was definitely it was the liver sh- special. And then um, it had onions, but not just like your run-of-the-mill yellow onions. It just had like your run-of-the-mill <laughs> white onions. Um, and, For you racists out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but it was super, super delectable. Uh, taste, tasted like piss. I had a good time. Yeah. The interns loved it. Um, only one bout with food poisoning. Yeah. Which was a it's success great. in my yeah. book. Yeah. So All with right. that, we'll see you um, later. Yeah. So I think we should cut the podcast before. <laughs> Just because, like, what if it becomes big and then Blue Apron's like, fuck you. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll put this in the bloopers someday. Um, I think I'm going to cut it right before that, and I am going to add something really quick. Okay. Um, okay, guys. So... We're going to close up here. Uh, as I was, I kept on mentioning, we'll try and make a website. We obviously can't tell you what that website is with this episode one, but we'll maybe make like a Google website and we'll let you guys know the link first thing in the next episode. All right. So stick with us. We'll see you around.